Number three. Yay, yay, we're off. Nice bus, bad day. Comfortable up in the um, upper deck front seat studio. Yep. The crow's nest. The crow's nest. Panoramic view of Birmingham. Mm. Birmingham in the rain. So are, we, are we trying holding the mic closer today, are we? Or? Well, yeah, actually, we're probably... Actually, shove over. I don't think, sitting on opposite sides of the aisle, is conducive to high-quality recording, so we're going to have to bunch up. Although these are not real person-sized seats, are they? Perhaps <laughs> these are going to be three-quarter person. Designed in a... Land of midgets with amputated limbs. <laughs> so I suppose we're going to have to kind of um, hopefully wait for some feedback on the quality. Yeah, although you had some already. Alex. Yeah, he, he, he said he felt he was on the bus with us. <laughs> it's like being there. It's a virtual bus. And um, I think he commented that he, he had to pause it to go away and think he was going to cook his dinner. And he couldn't cope with cooking his dinner on a bus, so he had to he had to pause the podcast. But he wasn't like on anything, or no, no, some sort of a reality enhancing chemical. I think Alex's brain naturally secretes that anyway. Um, so no, that was cool. So you know, he, he listened. Um, a couple of comments have come up in the link, and I kind of explained that the podcast one was quite long because the bus was on that day. It was horrendous. Traffic, and meanwhile, I think it was something fifty something minutes. Yeah, which is too long. And what did we get home in? 30, 40 Thirty-seven. Yeah. Buscast two was thirty-seven and a bit minutes, I think. <laughs> I think we should do the number 35 or 50 or something this time, just so we can get into Mosley Village, so I can buy my fish and chips for tea. Cool, good plan. Okay, we'll go for the, go for the number 50. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of almost hoping that people will say, um, it's there, but what you really need is um, a wireless lap mic each. Well, exactly. I mean, that was something that we uh, we chatted about last night. Actually, I was being very kind of geek boy with my laptop doing the wireless internet thing in the kitchen while I was making the dinner, chatting to you online, talking about we should get some wireless lapel mics for the uh, for the bus cast. When, in fact, all we're doing now is holding up a, a little eye river uh, and trying to talk towards it. I think that the kind of the wireless lapel would be kind of cool. Um, although, um, listening to Daily Source Code, I listened to it this morning, so it probably came out yesterday. Um, Adam Curry normally uses an iRiver and a wireless lab. He picked up one of the, um, the Griffin stereo mics. Oh yeah. When he was in New York for something like nineteen dollars. And they're like free, aren't they? Yeah, it cost him practically nothing, and he, he tested it. He done a fifteen-minute test, and the sound was really different from a stereo mic. Yeah. It's literally kind of for a sound seeing talk. It, it, it sounded like it was really going to do the job. Wow. And kind of more immersive. I don't know if we, we want to get more more virtual bus than we already are. Well, I quite like the idea of just a little mic that plugs into the device itself that we can just hold up. A miniature gooseneck on the end, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, why not? In fact, you know, we could build that into the uh, the original podcast Matron device. And Definitely, yeah. There you go. This one's going to get run over if she stands out in the middle of the road. I've always been inherently scared of buses because they're so much bigger than me. <laughs> this girl had no fear. The weirdest conversation in class today. We were doing... Uh, the module's called Music Industry. And so week by week, we talk about different topics related to the music industry, and we're talking about the impact of digital technology on the music industry. And I was trying to point out it's you know more than about downloading MP3s. It's actually affecting every single aspect of the industry, right from you know distribution to marketing to you know what other associated industries exist and publishing. You know how you can make a track now and it can be the soundtrack of an Xbox game or whatever it happens to be. So like all these different aspects of the industry are informed by digital technology and changed by it and so on. 
somehow we ended up on a discussion of lost jobs, things that don't exist anymore. Like um, we were talking about how like all of uh, all of retailer music went online and sort of the iTunes model. What would happen to all the Virgin Mega stores and all these people that were going to be out of work and oh, okay. all the rest of it and completely replaced by six geeks in a room in Leeds or something. <laughs> um, who, you know, given enough Coca-Cola and M&Ms could be quite happy for quite some considerable period of time. Um, and uh, one of the students was outraged at this idea that, that uh, a new technology could come in and disrupt things to the extent where masses of people could lose their jobs. And um, I sort of pointed out this has kind of already happened once or twice say, before. They thought this was a new thing. Well, you know, there aren't many people making cartwheels for buggies anymore because we've got a motor industry, although, you know, now in Birmingham we, we don't have a motor industry as of last week. But, um, uh, and, I mean, my father was a typesetter. Or still, you know, essentially, he still is a typesetter. Um, but that's kind of a disappeared art because desktop publishing. My mother's a proofreader at a community newspaper. Uh, how many of those are left? That's not replaced by technology, that's replaced by Slack. But, um, oh, F7, spell check, grammar check. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, though, because um, kind of talking about replacing skilled manual workers in, you know, previous incarnations, the same problem, but now we'd be, you know, your student was offended by tertiary retail workers being replaced. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of interesting. Unskilled people being paid to smile and wear Virgin Megastore t-shirts um, and know as little as possible about popular music as they can possibly get away with. I am applied when I when I left university I applied um, to enter a graduate training scheme with HMV yep. and um, they required certain amounts of musical knowledge all this kind of thing but I can't remember ever being in an HMV or a virgin and ever thinking it was the kind of place where you could go and chat to one of the salesperson to make them kind of help you find what you were after you might say oh where's Black Sabbath because I can't decide what you're calling metal you seem to have got urban super rock as a new genre in your store today. You know, where, where do I find what I used to find under metal or whatever? Right. But actually, going for advice from a, a musical retailer personage doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense to me. Well, one of the things that I kind of miss, I'm starting to get it back again. There's a little shop in Mosley called Gibbering. And um, for a particular type of music, the kind of the uh, Afrobeat stuff and the, uh, I guess, the funky end of jazz, uh, I'm starting to get a little bit of this kind of human recommendation. Oh, I know that you bought this in the past and you like That's these sort of things. Cool. You should check this out. This is really good. Basically, there was this guy who um, sort of littered my early teen years. Uh, it seemed like every single record shop I went into for any considerable period of time, whether it was Real Groovy or True Tone or, or uh, Marbex or wherever it was, this guy Gary would just pop up. And, um, I mean, anybody who's lived in Auckland will know exactly who I'm talking about when I talk about Gary from Marbex because he just knew everything about every type of music I ever was interested in. And he ended up doing stuff on radio and he's, um, yeah, he's interesting guy but you need duplicate Gary's at every single record shop so they can say oh it's you check this out this is new this is interesting the vinyl pushes yeah and I kind of I kind of start to think that you know and I know that I sort of harp on about this but this is where podcasting should go it's like you listen to people who share same interests as you and they go listen to this and then they play you a record and you go that's really cool I think I'll go and buy it the music that's interesting did you see that? they opened the car door to throw out a, a chippy bag <laughs> that's, really, that's like really deliberate littering that wasn't even kind of toss it out the window no, that was open the window pass me your rubbish I'll stick it on the road so it was almost placed as well and then this is where it goes yeah it'll be run over by the bus if I place it there that's really kind of actually that's quite outrageous of course the, the, the only reason that was able to happen is because we're in a huge traffic jam yeah this just doesn't look very good for potentially for the length of the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah we might um, we might edit if it gets over about 50 minutes yeah but, uh, I think yeah you're saying about the kind of um, the human element of 
I've got a big feather bus. Yeah, I love it when they do this. This is a new way. They don't go this way. I've been on the bus before once and they do this like, there's traffic up top, but there's these underpasses. So the clever bus driver decides, okay, I'm going to miss the one stop nobody ever gets off of, and I'm going to go down the underpass. Right, and skip a bit of Birmingham. Yep, straight up. Just past where we would rejoin the traffic half an hour later. So we've actually just gone underground to skip around a bit. Yep, because we have clever driver today. Cool. It's half of the driver. Yeah, where, where was I going? Yeah, human element in um, recommendations. Because you kind of trust people. Well, I certainly trust people telling me things more than just reading things. You know, like if I read, the, I mean, I used to read Koran and Melody Maker and The Enemy. When I was at college, we'd buy all these magazines and it would tell us about the latest indie single and stuff. But when I went into Record Savings in Banbury, bought a Cooler Shaker single and the guy said, you might want to try these. And he would put them on in the store because it was quiet and well, there was other people that would like it anyway. I'm more likely to buy it than kind of a magazine review. Well, that was the reason I stayed away from the Mars Volta for so long was because all I ever got from Mojo magazine was kind of these superlatives about you know the, the greatest thing ever in rock music and all the rest of it. And it took somebody to actually go, you should really listen to them. They're really good. And I went out and got a Mars Volta CD from the library, actually. Took it home and uh, took it back and went out and bought two Mars Volta albums. Because I thought they were, you know, all of the superlatives that Mojo had said, but I hadn't believed them. It's, it's kind of hard to believe them now. I think probably because those claims are made so regularly, yeah. it's hard to spot the, the real ones. <laughs> Hello, I do know somebody who walked out of the Mars Volta gig that I actually didn't hear about until the day after it happened. I would have actually gone. But uh, that person wasn't to be trusted in terms of their taste anyway. Yeah, this rings a bell. I think you may have told me this before. Uh, I have a limited supply of stories, and I just repeat them. <laughs> I just keep finding new people to tell them to, which is something I'm a little bit worried about, these bus cast things, because there's going to be a point where people are going to go, I've heard this one. Oh, she did. She changed her mind. She wants to Limited amount of anecdotes. Yeah, absolutely. So we, could, we could collect anecdotes up of our colleagues. I mean... <laughs> We've got enough XBBC colleagues and enough anecdotes to last a lifetime. Yeah. You get to unlock different levels in the anecdote game as well. Like, you get the free ones, like level one anecdote, that an XBBC person will fire off almost as soon as their mouth opens. Right. They'll roll off. But then you get taken into their confidence. Yeah. And I start to tell the ones that are tailored to suit your specific interests. Yeah, and you'll, you'll, get, in, you'll get one's context related. Rather than these broadcast anecdotes, you walk into a room, I remember when this happened, and you're going to think, that's in no context. And then you get to the next level where you're saying, oh, oh I had fun filming something the other day, and there'll be, I have an anecdote about when I had fun filming something the other day. But there are keywords that trigger off different anecdotes. Yes, and it's quite funny messing with people. <laughs> Because if you can say keywords that you know have triggered anecdotes in the past in their presence when you're in a group conversation, but keep talking fast enough yourself, so they start boiling and bubbling, <laughs> desperate because this trigger's gone off. Or if they have the trigger go off and you let them start the anecdote, but then you finish, <laughs> finish it for them. For them. <laughs> Which completely deflates the, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah. That's a really annoying thing to do. It seems that like the, the deepest level of anecdote, which I'm yet to reach, is the um, gossip about other ex-BBC colleagues. See, I, I actually think that particularly radio people relish those so much that they just bring them out at any... Well, the, the drop of a, an alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you could just be in a bar or, a, you know, a radio awards uh, with anybody from the industry and you will just get the deepest dirt on everybody. Because, you know, I mean, there's certainly no, there's no other good reason, apart from the free CDs, the concert tickets and the gossip. Why be in radio? <laughs> yeah, everybody has some motivation, don't they? Yeah. I mean, the, the line about radio is, you know, the, the pay's crap, but at least the hours are long. <laughs> but, um, but if you like gossip, it's the place to be. I suppose if it, it is kind of a medium based around talking and listening and... Yeah. Well, I mean, television, same kind of story, better drugs, I think. 
<laughs> TV, I don't know, TV stories are different from depending on what, how highly ranking the person telling the story was. It was. <laughs> well, because, you know, I, I tend to come across them when they're not in broadcast anymore. But they, they can't cut it in the industry anymore and they go into teaching. <laughs> I don't know if any of my TV colleagues are going to listen to this. <laughs> I was talking generally about all of us media academics. Okay, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll keep that as a disclaimer. <laughs> I still haven't decided about naming names on this thing. No, I actually, I, I, I don't think it's important to name names because the people who the names would be important to won't listen. No. And the people who the names won't be important to, the names aren't important to them. Exactly. So you could say, there is this character. But you've lost me then by making me laugh. Sorry, the point of your story was? There wasn't one. It was a, it was a rambling broadcast anecdote with no beginning. See, the other way to deflate an anecdote is just to get in the way of it. <laughs> be a obstacle. Exactly. We um, appear not to have moved very much for a, a reasonable period of time. Even with um, even I mean, we got ahead of the other people who are stationary, but now we've joined them. Maybe if we go too long, we can pause or something. Possibly. We could bore each other. I could tell you about our plumbing disaster last night. Go on. We had a plumbing disaster last night. That's kind of it, really. Um, sink blocked and uh, water flooded and floor soaked and washing machine. Somehow, washing machine. Is, is this is this common in England? Washing machine and kitchen. Yeah. Why? Because we don't have the room. Because loads of people said this to me, where's your laundry room? Yeah. It, it's built into my kitchen, thanks. Yeah, and where does the dishwasher go? In the kitchen, with the dishes. But, oh, I, abandoning ship. Oh. Everybody getting out here. I suppose we can cut off that way. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's a novel thought. We'll walk. Okay. Why not? Um, um, thank you. Cheers. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I like how we sheepishly followed the other people who thought to abandon ship. Somebody had to think of it first. Yeah. But it does look like the traffic's going to be stationary for quite some time. I wonder what it's doing the other side. Well, it makes me worry about, yeah, the next bus. Because that has to arrive from somewhere. Uh... I never trust vehicles that stop. Um, These are buildings that I never ever walk past. Okay. Where are we, in fact? We're parallel with Corporation Street. So we're coming up behind, um, behind the Q Club and all that kind of stuff. I think I've been here once when I went to a Pizza Express. Yeah, there probably is one on Corporation Street. Right. Oh, it smells of tasty food down here. What is that? St. Basil's. Works with young, young people. people. Food does. Okay. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Actually, I think this is a really clever, because we've, well, we've just gone 100 yards and our bus is still where we left it, so... Well, that's worked well then. Oh, we're coming to the law courts. Oh, okay. I've seen them from a completely different angle, but never I'm coming around a different corner. And See, this is the thing about taking the bus. The city exists in my mind only in terms of its bus routes. And yeah. I had the opportunity to sit in somebody's car on Saturday and be driven around, and I saw a completely different city. It's crazy. And getting lost on foot gives you yet another city. Because there's certain bits where cars and buses can't go. This will make sense to you in a second when we get up around this corner. Yeah, it's failing to do so so far. But hang on a sec. The bus this is where the 33 goes, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Ah. Range Rover bigger than us. Yep. <clears throat> Driver of Range Rover considering bigger than us. Yeah, well. exactly. I mean, this kind of person who has a four-wheel drive vehicle simply because that's all they will fit. <laughs> Through necessity rather than posing. Yeah. 
There's a lot of eating smells and people eating. I don't know whether I'm noticing just because I'm hungry. Well, I'm stopping for fish and chips on the way home. which has put me in a kind of an anticipation. Because <laughs> although the place that we get the fish and chips from make awful fish and chips. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I haven't found any better yet. There's only two in there, really. Yeah. You tried both. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's just Mosley or Birmingham generally or the UK generally. Oh, but where I come from, chips are these kind of things cut out of potatoes that you fry until crispy on the outside and soft on the inside. Exactly, yeah. What I get here is these things that seem to have been boiled <laughs> until they have no consistency anymore and then they're dipped in fat for consumption. I think you need to go need to go to a seaside town and get fish and chips. Well, we're as far from the seaside as it's possible exactly. to be in the UK. Although there are thousands of seagulls. Yeah, Both I actually, think their brains are broken. <laughs> Uh, look, we have the Sky Tower in Auckland, and the seagulls circle it as if they think it's a mast of some sort of pirate ship. <laughs> it's a giant boat. Okay, all these people do not bode well, so I say we go for... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on going to the... I mean, at least with the 50, you know that there are going to be lots of them, even yeah. if there are crowds like this. This, this says somewhere in town's blocks. Yeah. Much like our sink. <laughs> I know. If we get a washing machine repair guy, he can come and fix town. Yeah. And your sink. That was the stupidest thing. <laughs> Maybe. My wife, Bobby, has spent all day at home waiting for the plumber to turn up that was alerted at 9 o'clock this morning. I need to find out at 5 o'clock that who was actually alerted was a washing machine repairman who isn't likely to come and visit for about another week? To repair the sink. To, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that the washing machine is pouring water into the sink is a function of the fact that, in England, the laundry is the kitchen. <laughs> Maybe they thought that the um, washing machine had hurled itself into the sink, <laughs> and it was actually a washing machine psychologist they'd sent out to kind of talk it out. Yeah. Possibly. I think you'll find. I think that's a stretch, though. I mean, let's be honest. I think you'll find the washing machine repair guy and their plumber's probably the same man, anyway. Yeah, although I think it takes it takes him a week to bring his spanner, but only a day to find his uh, plunger. Yeah. I think Bobby Cross might have made it a bit faster. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know if Bobby's ever been cross at you, but if she wants to get things done, she can get things done, and, and you know, that's that's a quality I admire in an individual. I pride myself on my ability to be cross at um, everyone, <laughs> why everyone, actually, technocrats and bureaucrats and bank workers Any and kind of crats. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes shouting gets the job done. Okay. And sometimes you have these kind of shark-proof oh, estate agents everywhere. This is what really bad. It does look really bad. The whole all these people absolutely swarming in people. Oh. And they're all people standing still, morosely waiting for their bus to appear. Okay, well... I've Although, those people are waiting for the same bus as the other people we saw yeah, to come around the block. Around. I did hear, Alana told me this morning, that Tony Blair was up Broad Street. I don't know if he's still in Without the city. Without a paddle. Yeah. <laughs> She reckons he, um, she saw his entourage outside her building at work, which is the other side of the city. Okay, but he doesn't take the number 50. But if they closed down the city for security routes of important people, but he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have stayed for the whole day, would they? Uh, I don't know. I mean, no, actually, you're right. He's a politician. Why would he stay in Birmingham for a whole day? Exactly. We need to hang a left. Okay. Let's do that. No, thanks. Oh, I've actually given up on trying to give reasons for not buying the big issue. Um, it's not very good. Yeah. Although, you know, it feels kind of impolite explaining that when they're trying yeah. to, you know, they're doing the selling, not begging. I've bought many of them in my time when I lived in London. Um, I don't know. I don't feel I need to buy it, really. I, um... I actually think that this, they, they should come with a sticker that says, I've got this week's ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know when we used to buy them in London, because there are more kind of big issue sellers in London than there are in Birmingham. They're kind of There's one every 20 paces in town here. Yeah, London, every pace. 
you know, being armed with your this week's coffee, you know, there's no way you can talk me into buying another one. It's yeah. in my hand. And this looks no good. As we're walking up to the, what we hope would be the the less hectic bus stop, and there's a wall of traffic. Zombies everywhere. <laughs> oh my god. No, and there's a yellow 50. We don't like the yellow 50s. The yellow 50 makes you pay money. Yeah. Even when you have a bus pass. Oh, I'm really unhappy about this. Although the crowds are smaller. Yeah. They're just as unhappy, but the buses aren't moving at all. Is that a, a, a good, nice red 50 behind the yellow one? It, it, it does a, look it like it. There's Ethan on the end, which probably... Ethan Lee from Things Ethan Mosley, I'm guessing. Actually, no. Ah, do we want to stand up on this bus? No, because we're not going anywhere anyway. So. Uh, well, this one will be standing remotely as well, surely. There's another one coming up behind it. Do you want to get on there in the hopes that you might get a seat? Oh, if we're going to be hours in traffic, I want to sit down with you. Yeah, all right. So we get to do the bus shelter cast. I'm wondering about alternative means of getting away from the city at the moment, to be fair. And what other way is there? Walking past the jam and trying to hail a cab or something. But... Yeah. But then we just put ourselves walked out to somewhere past the ring road and, and catch a bus. Yeah, catch a bus yeah. when they get through. Uh, There's definitely something to This isn't just rush hour in the slightest. There's not even any taxis getting through, there's no... Well, that bus is moving. Well, got four feet. Anybody's got to think that the uh, Birmingham public transport system leaves anything to be desired. Yeah, this is, I've never seen it like this. This is insane. Should pick one with wings. <laughs> yeah. Airbus, please. Actually, I know a guy in Auckland who's working on a gyrocopter, and I always thought he was a bit mad for doing it, but I'm starting to see the value of them. It's kind of one-man pods. If it was portable, and like now you could just pop open your gyrocopter and pedal off home. Yeah. Um, I suspect that getting on the next bus isn't going to um, get us anywhere. No. Uh, okay, we need decisions. We need decisive action. Okay, we've been past two stops that are full. Um, any stops outside the city have got to come through the city anyway. There's much we can do other than sit it out. So this is going to be an edited bus cast. This is going to be an edited bus Or a really long one. Maybe we should put up two versions. I don't see any of these things moving. I don't think it's fair that our third bus cast should be about buses. No, it's terribly unfortunate. It's kind of hard to... to ignore the issue of we don't seem to be getting home anytime soon. Yeah, we've got, we've got movement and... Oh, look, hang on. Door's closing in that one. There's one coming oh, no. up behind that's empty, so... Let's, uh, let's try and make a beeline for that one, eh? What's the difference between that and a 50A? It doesn't matter to us. OK, so it still goes where we want to go. Yeah. And I actually have my bus pass this time. Let's... Feel free to open your doors anytime soon, it's raining. It's full. It's full. There's nobody in there. No, no, but the driver was in mind, we should get the first place. Alright. Oh, I see. Whenever, whenever it's going to... Well, certainly they never do that for me. 
now. That's how squeeze we get in on here. I said we just go to the back of the bottom. Yeah. Pretty much. Although they've kind of moved on a bit, they, they must have done the noises when they're squeezing. Yeah. I'm um, stopped the gap. Yeah. Plumber man's been with his plunger. <laughs> you haven't got the washing machine up ahead somewhere. So do you think the um, the bus cast is a jinx? I don't know. We've had two really, really bad journeys. Well, I mean, I'm not having a bad time, but... Uh, All the signs are pointing towards it being a long jet. This year, this doesn't bode well, does it? Uh, mind you, you know, I'm happy to be surprised. And the number 50 is a speedy. Yep, it may be the one with wings as well. Yeah. So I, th- I think I'm getting somewhere on the whole um, BitTorrent podcasting thing. I... Uh, I had to talk to Microtech at uh, work today and um, uh, got him enthused about the idea of running Apache servers and scripts. And, cool. Uh, but um, also found some stuff on SourceForge.net, which is all kind of the open source applications. Yep. Um, where people seem to have not thought about this in terms of podcasting, but in terms of um, uh, people making their own torrent servers yeah. and. Uh, running them privately but I think probably the thing to do is make it happen make it work and you know test it and prove it yeah. and then you get people on board like um, James Guthrie who's a blogger in New Zealand has sort of indicated some enthusiasm towards the idea of using torrents and um, suggested that Russell Brown is kind of looking in this direction as well so if we can get kind of a community of people that you know we at least have some knowledge of and you know Aren't, aren't going to put sort of the new Star Wars movie up on there. Yeah, exactly. probably sort of Actually, work kind of those lines. with that in mind, hooking up with the um, open source community makes sense as well. Yeah, because that's how they've been working for quite some time. They're in a community model of helping each other out, and you know, how, quite a lot of times we come up with ideas and say we wish we knew a coder. Yeah, you know, if we could hook up with someone like that, you know, perhaps our imaginary pieces of software could become real pieces of software. We need a, a tame Uber geek. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that, did, how did iPod get written? Did, am I right in thinking Adam Curry went and learned the he, language himself? He was already he was already fairly geekishly inclined, and I think that he uh, trial and errored his way through based yeah. on a, a, a sort of a smattering of knowledge. Okay. Um, I don't think I have that smattering of knowledge to start scripting in Python. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I've said before, I'm intimidated enough at the moment by HTML. Mm. I know. Mean, I, 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 first time I went through university, I did um, some uh, computer programming, business computing. Mm-hmm. Now, I learned COBOL, and we were just out of punch cards. It's different. It's moved on since then. Uh, the last time I did anything remotely programming would have been um, in basic right. on a BBC B, and it was, you know, kind of... Um, 10 print hello 20 go to 10 yeah. and they would you know that kind of done but this, this, this and then you have to switch off the ZX81 to switch yeah. it back on again and get a new program in there because there's no way of getting out of that you're stuck in a... i tell you one thing I think I was talking about this with you a little while ago but one thing I found amazing was that um, uh, one of the BBC website guys who started it and uh, sort of got questioned is this what the BBC is really all about pointed out this whole thing where in the days of the Commodore 64 and the tape drives where people would sort of play the tape and load them in, there were programs at sort of 9.30 on a Sunday night that uh, that would be just, here is data. That's fantastic, this week's, yeah. this week's software program. See your tapes running now. That, that's so great that they, you know, they're, they're streaming software, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly, over the radio. That's which fantastic. Is, which actually is kind of like... Um, it's something that radio should be doing now, but radio can be digital. 
I think that's a fantastic model. You know, and the, the great argument is if you come up with a, a, a modernised version of that and people object, you say, well, they've done it before. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the real key to that kind of nice little story, isn't it? Yeah, we used to play Spy Hunter on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> You never know. I mean, some people may have tuned in, thought it was music. Yeah, they thought it was some sort of experimental electronic, Douglas Lilburny kind of thing. And, um, you know, in fact, it's... Uh, it may have accidentally kind of influenced a whole um, <laughs> decade of dance music. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's just missing a beat. <laughs> just, just put a 4-4 kick behind a um, piece of software. <laughs> there you go. And suddenly there's Aphex Twin. <laughs> busy day. Yeah. You were looking distinctly murderous this morning. <laughs> what was that about? I think I may have even put that in words at some point. Um, no, today today was um, a day of non-attendance by sick colleagues. Equal more work for me. Right. Um, what did I have to do today? I had, had a tutorial um, with a master's student who, for various reasons that I won't go into now, needed a complete refresher on digital video editing from the start to the finish in an hour. But the knowledge fell out. And, um, yeah, pretty much. And she, she has to edit a program tomorrow, so this was of some degree of urgency. Right. Um, and this is my colleague was booked in to do this, but he's away sick, so I had to take this on. Having done no preparation for it, didn't have any notes on the... When I do a tutorial, I write it up before I deliver it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a mini lesson for one for one person so I had kind of that to deal with um, a, a, a reassessment group that turned up to do an exam that I didn't know about um, some experimental techniques I've got to build up before tomorrow which I never had any time to do and a class to do this afternoon on editing so it was a really video day right but it was kind of cool in the end, you know, I didn't have time to do anything else, I didn't have time to look at BitTorrent, I didn't have time to um, look at the internet, which always makes me cross. <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't get my lunch break of surfing and reading blogs and things, so I'm going to have to do that tonight, which will cut into my other internet time. <laughs> it either means a late night or I lose some internet today. Did you decide what you're going to do with the uh, Dawn and Drew chat room? What I'm going to do with it? Well, you kind of set it up. Are you going to, you know, moderate it, run it? Oh, okay, yeah. Because you're um, talking about maybe walking away from it and putting it in somebody else's hands. Yeah, because I think, I think I mean, you suggested it's almost a quite a cool idea to set something up, take its training reels off, and let it, you know, let somebody else have it and go on and do something new. Um, I think I'm not going to spend too much time in there because I think the kind of people at the moment I haven't need to do any heavy moderating. I haven't had to kick anyone out yet. Um, we've had a couple of underage kids in there um, that maybe the conversation isn't suitable for. Um, I'm not sure whose problem that is. I don't know if that's a service problem or whether it's um, it's my problem because I'm the bot owner or whatever. But I think I'll pop in. I don't think I'll be logged in there 24 hours a day anymore. For, you know, for the first few days I, I left my Merck software signed in, but I'm not sure I need to do that anymore. I think if I get to know someone else in there, I'll, I'll promote them up to um, have all the privileges that I do with the bot and let them take it over. Do you spend more of your time in the Weeble and Bob rooms? Um, Weeble and Bob time varies on what mood I'm in, because I have moderation to do there as well, but I'm a bit cross with the um, user base at the moment. I run a, a, a photography competition. Um, called the photo mission which is something somebody else set up and I, I took over when I became a mod and basically um, the format is you're given the number of phrases and you take pictures to match them okay okay so that's always been quite um, popular for example oh well one week it was um, one of the challenges was the unmistakable nonsense of yellow and sometimes it would be it would be song lyrics or something you know quite obscure stuff and I kind of, I made a mistake with it. I tried to steer it in a slightly different way. Um, I set a challenge a couple of weeks ago that I just called Elements. I wanted to see four pictures, fire, wind, earth, water. And that kind of went really well. And, you know, some people just tinted things green to mean earth. But other people really thought about it. And it was, like, really nice to see people engaging and thinking about their photograph. Yeah. Um, 
so I set another one and I just called it people and I said I just wanted a set of four pictures about people anything you want you know there's people everywhere this should be really easy and I didn't get any entries and I got a big complaint about it being too um, obscure and um, a guy made an argument that creativity comes from constraint oh yeah I know that argument. I can kind of agree that if you're constrained, you can still be creative. But I don't think you need to be constrained to be creative. Yeah, I, I don't know. I actually ended up having a variant on this argument today uh, with someone. I'm just trying to think of the, um, the context for this. Um, no, it's completely gone out of my head. But uh, there was some, some aspect. I've always thought that, that if you have a set of rules then you've got something to push against. You can sort of uh, try and kind of bend the boundaries and test things out. I mean, people always talk about dogma filmmaking in that context, don't they? i tell you what it was. It was, we were talking about how many choices there are in a digital age, how many, um, how many places you can get media from, how many channels there are on television, on digital TV, and how many you know, websites there are and all the rest of it. And yet, you end up with crap. And the reason that you end up with crap is because you've just got the smallest board with every possible flavour on it. You yeah. don't know where to start. So you're going to go with what you know. You know the egg salad's always going to taste like egg salad, so you just keep going back for it. And what happens is you get to the situation where you get programs like TiVo that watches what you watch. It says, oh, okay, you like some, you know, David Attenborough's Life of Plants. I'll take the Life of Birds and I'll take the, um, uh, bird watching thing as yeah. well. You know, it's like along the theme and there was a great article I can't even remember what magazine it was in uh, but the title of the article summed it up beautifully it was just help my Tebow thinks I'm gay <laughs> and essentially it was about this guy who deliberately recorded um, uh, queer ass folk yeah. and Will and Grace and from that moment on everything that the Tebow recorded was gay rights issues and you know, documentaries about you know, See, as a, as a technical okay, person, I'm thinking night, there's some know. kind of database error there in the tagging. Yeah. You know, the the, 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 um, the unique selling point or the tag for these programs was the wrong thing. But the point is that you get so much choice that you actually sort of limit, you, you restrict yourself and you don't actually do anything creative. Mm. But I'm just thinking, like, in the days before there was all this media choice, there was a radio station in Auckland that was kind of like the most popular radio station. Uh, called ZB. This is before they were a talk station, and their tagline was the All Rounder. Yeah. And that's what they try to do. And you know, just occasionally you would hear something that you hadn't heard before that was kind of new and interesting, and uh, I don't know if it was challenging in any way, but it just sort of going, oh, I haven't heard that before. That's really interesting. Tell me more. Um, and so this sort of brings us circularly round back to what we started at the beginning of the conversation. Is but you need somebody to say, here, try this. Yeah, you need the guy, you know, you need the Gary from Marbex to sort of point you at the right thing. You need sometimes you just need your mother to put a plate of food in front of you and tell you to eat it. You know? I think, um, yeah, I think there's, there's slight, slightly different issues with you know, if you go back to constraints of creativity. I think yeah, innovation comes from necessity. And when things things are invented because you're pushed into having to invent a way out of this, or I mean, even even our inventions like the podcast drum. Well, that came from a set of criteria, now, the things that we wanted to do but couldn't. Yeah, so you invent something to you get creative with the constraints of there is no device that does all this at once. You know, um, but if you go back to kind of the initial the initial subject, the setting the um, competition. I perceived the non-entry as people being lazy. There was more to the issue than, okay, you've, you've made us have to think. I mean, somebody actually said, you've made us have to think. We're not interested in that. And it's kind of like, we're in this environment where I have to say, take a picture of your foot, and you'll all enter. And you'll all be really creative about how you differently take pictures of your foot. But I'm not interested in that, you know. I even, I suggested, I said people, and I didn't even put brackets, I'd be particularly interested in either portraiture or reportage. So stories, or just, you know, nice clean pictures of people you know. And I think this big rant about constraints and creativity, most of the people, when they enter the competitions, take pictures in their houses when they're near their computer. So they get their digital camera, take a few snaps that might fit and that's it yeah. subject becomes people 
oh no, I have to go outside. Yeah. I have to interact. With other human beings. And I think, personally, my belief is the reason that that competition really floated is because these people weren't happy about interacting with other people. And that was a real issue for me, that they were trying to blame the competition. You know, people is a really bad subject when what they actually meant to say was actually we're a bit scared of this. Yeah. You know. What I find really fascinating is this all happens in the context of a website around a web cartoon. Yeah, it's completely unrelated to Weeb and Bob, which are two wobbly things. Yeah, it's, you know, essentially. Existential. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, it opens up a whole new thing to talk about about, you know, a web community that started, the only thing in common everyone had was that they watched and enjoyed cartoons made by Weeble because it's the Weeble stuff for them as well, so it could have been somebody watched Badgers and signed up, or somebody watched Pie, or, you know, one of the Weeble cartoons. But it's it's sprung now, it's this huge entity where it has has a sub-forum called Hocus, which is the one I moderate, and that's the art one, and that has threads for photography, flash art, um, moving image, traditional art... Um, so like people scanning charcoal, charcoal drawings and stuff. Wow. It has competitions. Um, it has a caption contest. Has all this kind of stuff. There's um, there's a media forum, which is where people talk about TV and radio. There's a music forum, a debates forum, um, a sports and betting forum, and this is all from this tiny little thing that started up where people go, "Hey, I like pie too." You know, mm, pie pie is good kind of thing. <laughs> and it's suddenly this huge community and. The commonality is that they enjoy these cartoons, but it's been split into all these different kind of. I don't know. It's it's really weird. It's like we've come here for this reason, but we want to stay. Yeah. A lot of people have one web home where they they kind of base their web life from one site, and they maybe branch out. And you go on the maybe the first thing you do is log on to your Weibo and Bob forum and have a read of some threads, and then you pop off to a few blogs and you pop into a chat room or something. But a lot of people often have a home where they feel safe and they can speak. Well, I used to have that with um, uh, this community called Brainstorms, which was uh, this guy called Howard Reingold who's written some books on sort of uh, virtual communities and tools for thought and various other things. And he said, anyway, he set up this thing. You have to apply to be on it. Yeah. But if you make yourself sound vaguely interesting, he says, oh, come on aboard. And, you know, cool. Uh, all the rest of it. And, um, Essentially, it was like all you needed to do was be interesting to be um, to be involved in it in some way, and um, and then you just get involved in these conversations on any topic under the sun. Yeah, it was kind of a essentially a series of web forums, and, and the idea of it was so it was an experiment in community, and it was kind of about designing the kind of community that we want to live in. But that doesn't have any boundaries on the kinds of things that we talk about. Uh, I actually ended up getting bored with it. It just became yeah. overwhelming. There were too many... To be, to be honest, there were too many interesting people. I found it hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, and I had other things to, you know... I mean, I, I ended up writing all these kind of long... Which I tend to do. I mean, I'm quite wordy. Yeah. Um, writing all these kind of long posts about... Um, you know, what I had to say on whatever topic was going, then I go to the next topic and suddenly I get outraged about something and write yeah. something else long. Before you know it, it's sort of three o'clock in the morning. I think there's a, a really interesting scope for a, probably an ethnographic, in-depth delve into a, a web forum to really see how it takes. And when you see, it evolves like any... You could use your ecology module... Um, module? Model. Model. Yeah. model. And... It is. It's entirely an environment. Users have a cycle as well as the actual place itself. And people that have been on the Weeble forums have noticed that there is a very distinct intake of new users, them acting like idiots, and then some of them getting banned, some of them leaving, and some of them getting integrated into the accepted society. And this happens probably on almost a monthly, two-monthly cycle. A whole new, probably sometimes it's around when the cartoon gets released as well. You get a whole new influx. A lot of them will be idiots. Some won't come back. Some will say hi once and never reappear. And you get this kind of ranking system. There, and there's like an old school elite of the people that were there right from the beginning, who perhaps don't post as much anymore and have got mod jobs and things like this. Mm. And then you've got the upcoming kind of new kids 
but it's like a kind of, if you want, a real society condensed and speeded up. It changes the generational gaps of yeah. more like a couple of months is a whole generation in, in forum time. And it's really interesting for looking at kind of social models and the way people fight to assert their position in the hierarchy. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm just starting to realise that the time at which I started to drop out of um, uh, the Howard Rheingold, the Brainstorms community, was around about the time I got really invested in blogging. Mm. And as soon as I started posting these wordy things about what I was into, and it wasn't constrained by, uh, this is the topic that we're talking about, the this is what everybody said about so far. And it's interesting, actually, thinking about it, it's when those boundaries of context were removed, when, you know, suddenly I had to take photos of people and not, you know, that um, I actually think that my writing got better. Because it has to stand up on its own rather than as a small part of a bigger whole. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took a long time. I mean, like I say, I've been blogging for three years now, and I think it's actually, the blog itself has only been any good fairly regularly for about the last three or four months. Well, here's, a, here's an interesting thing to think about. If conceptually you start your online life as part of a forum, you work up through the ranks of the forum, you eventually get bored with, you know, kind of having to deal with the same arguments again or to having to put your views up in context of other people's views. So you're in this community. And then the kind of... The next stage on from that is to become an individual again. That's Jungian psychotherapy. It's, it's all about individuation. It's but brilliant. It, and then off you go, and there's your blog. And nobody, people can comment. They're welcome to comment, but they can't distract from your initial point. You become the individual. People are willing to come and t- you know say, yeah, I agree. No, you I become disagree. the context for the community. Yeah. So that's an interesting model. I have a very small community. There's like five posters. And I got my first spam post. Oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. I had somebody pointing us towards... All sorts of nasty. Yeah. All sorts of kind of elderly nasty. Yeah. Well, granny something. Though. Yeah. But, um, uh, but of course, you know, it was deleted as soon as it was there. But, Promptly removed. But I'd just been saying the other day that, you know, I'd never had... Uh, Posts, you know, comments, spam. I think we'd even said the day before, hadn't we? Oh, we were, we were searching Google's for information about BitTorrents, reading down a thread and finding that half the replies were spams. Right. But, yeah. So that was really odd. Maybe I just kind of spoke it into being. Yeah. It was one of those what could possibly go wrong comments. But it was interestingly on a. a, a post that was well off your front page as well. Yeah. It was on the, the Doogie post, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the board game thing. That was like, that was months ago. That was quite some time back, wasn't it? And it wasn't even the final one. It was the first, here's my little drawings of Mind you, play. that is the one that I got the most hits on, and it was linked from Boing Boing, so possibly that's where... There's a route there, isn't there? Yeah, but it's coming from... I mean, that's, that's automated. That's not a person going around yeah. putting, you know, HTML links to, you know... Uh, granny porn yeah. deliberately on my website it's just sort of it's followed a electronic path yeah but obviously like the paths that conceptually the more things that travel down it the easier it is is to get down all things considered we've got here in quite a remarkably good time we've done what we, 52 minutes yeah which is kind of on a par with the first podcast but it's actually the second part of the journey once we got on the bus once it was not as moving. long yeah. as I expected Possibly, um, if we edited edited out, um, look, there's lots of traffic here, talk from the middle. Yeah, but then I think, oh, what the hell, you know? Oh, it's only number three. Yeah, exactly. If people don't want to listen to all 52 minutes, they can skip or they can stop. Or... <laughs> if you've got to this stage without fast-forwarding, I'd say now that you're quite welcome to fast-forwarded the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and there we go, we're in Mosul. Just like that.